0: This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 1059, Reconsidering Moderation, by Becca Schoen of minimalwellness.com, and I'm Dr. Neil. Hey there, happy Sunday, and welcome back to the show where I act as your very own personal narrator and read to you from some of the most popular health and fitness blogs online. Now don't forget, our mailing list at oldpodcast.com is totally free and comes with weekly tips, tricks, book giveaways, and lots more. Just come by oldpodcast.com to join. But for now, let's get right to it and start optimizing your life. Reconsidering Moderation by Becca Schoen of minimalwellness.com. The most frequently dispensed advice from nutritionists and doctors regarding diet is everything in moderation. But what happens when it's clear this approach isn't working for so many in our society? it's time to reconsider moderation. Upon significant reflection, the everything in moderation mantra that I as well as the vast majority of healthcare providers espouse might be terrible advice. Moderation is a squishy term. It's nebulous. Moderation leaves us vulnerable to marketing and societal pressures to engage in consumption patterns that may be harmful to our health. Think about the top two items we discuss moderating, sugar and alcohol. What do they have in common? They're both heavily marketed and potentially addicting. Coincidence? No. The profit margins on alcohol and high-sugar foods are outstanding, and because they both have the potential to be addicting, we tend to be easily lured into excessive consumption masked as moderation. We are bombarded with advertising of, to borrow a phrase from Michael Pollan, food-like substances, particularly those that are deleterious to our health, such as sugary beverages, Cereal, fast food, and alcohol. Children are often susceptible to food marketing, and as a result of exposure to ads containing these foods, their intake increases. Considering that half of the advertisements directed at kids are for food, their susceptibility becomes rather alarming. Who hasn't witnessed a child react to seeing an ad for a fun-sounding, rainbow-colored breakfast cereal by exclaiming, I want Surfer Smurf cereal for breakfast? Look at the back of that cereal or any packaged food item marketed to kids and you'll likely find an alarming amount of added sugar. Research done by the American Heart Association determined that children in the U.S. consume four to five times the recommended daily limit for added sugar. So yes, it's possible we're activating the addiction pathway in toddlers. Of course, toddlers grow up quickly, and those of us who were fed high-sugar diets may be pre-programmed to overconsume sugar as adults, and to be more susceptible to other addictive substances. The average American adult now consumes an average of 82 grams of added sugar per day, which is three to four times the recommended intake limit of 25 grams for women and 38 grams for men. Clearly, that moderation message isn't working well, and it doesn't just stop at sugar. What sugar marketing is to children, alcohol marketing is to teens and adults. In the U.S., there has been an over 400% increase in alcohol marketing over the past 40 years. That marketing has consequences. Exposure to alcohol marketing results in earlier age of first consumption and in higher consumption patterns in those who already drink. While the percentages of people who drink versus abstain in the general population have remained relatively stable over the past few decades, about two-thirds of the US population consumes alcohol and about one-third abstains, the rates of consumption for those who do imbibe have increased. According to physician and addiction specialist Dr. Ruth Poty and an article she references from the Washington Post, half of those who consume alcohol, which is one-third of the general population, do so in relatively small amounts, on average less than one drink per week. The other half of people who consume alcohol, about one-third of the general population, do so in far greater amounts. One drink per day puts you in the top 30% of alcohol consumption. Two drinks per day puts you in the top 20%, and the percentage of people in this category is rising. Then there is a gigantic leap to the final 10%, those in this group that consume an average of 10 drinks per day. Let that sink in. 10% of the US population consumes, on average, the equivalent to 10 drinks per night. If one in 10 of us is drinking, on average, 10 drinks per night, then what's moderate? Moderation is no more than one drink per day for women, or two drinks per day for men. And what constitutes one drink might surprise you. 12 ounces of 5% alcohol by volume beer, think not a pint of a standard microbrew, five ounces of wine at 12% alcohol, or one and a half ounces of 80 proof liquor would count as one drink. While alcohol consumption is a less widespread issue than sugar consumption, the effects of excessive intake are far more damaging. Considering that most restaurants, bars, and alcohol manufacturers profit by encouraging immoderate consumption, we have to take it upon ourselves to realize that many times what we casually consider a drink is in fact more. With an intake pattern above moderation, it's a short and slippery slope toward heavy drinking and possibly addiction. Our consumption patterns are dramatically influenced by marketing, but they're also molded by social norms. Most of us struggle when we act in a manner different than that of our peers, colleagues, friends, and family. If those in our social circles eat high sugar foods, it's hard to be the one to deviate from those choices. Alcohol works in the same way. Many social circles function on a steady influx of alcohol. Many working professionals, especially parents, have come to bond over or commiserate about the stresses of life with a bottle of wine. If we want to live healthier lives, if we want our children to develop good habits, sometimes we need to set the first and better example. Instead of saying everything in moderation and passively approving an excessive intake of unhealthy substances, we can take a critical look at what moderation actually is and adjust our habits accordingly. Setting a higher standard for ourselves helps others do the same. You just listened to the post titled Reconsidering Moderation by Becca Shern slash health right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash health. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A big thanks again to Becca for her permission to narrate from her site. Now, as you know, I'm one of the proponents of consuming things in moderation, but I agree with Becca in that we need to define what that is, And that's why on this show, I take so much time to give you actual numbers, actual servings, actual grams that you should be consuming each day. A few weeks back, when I discussed alcohol in moderation, I actually quoted almost the exact same thing Becca mentioned in the post I read to you about what classifies as one drink because most people don't know what that means. To some folks, one drink is, oh, well, this one mixed drink I had at the bar, that should count as one drink, right? Nope. It's actually hard to say if that was just one drink. It depends on what went in it. And so I agree with Becca in that if you want to consume things in moderation, well, let's first define what moderation is for that particular food or that particular substance because the term moderation can mean different things for different substances. All right, that'll do it for today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing this show and listening every day. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your weekend and I'll be back here tomorrow as usual. So I'll see you there where your optimal life awaits.